I'm sitting in a meeting. This is a committee meeting. This isn't a church. So this is a group of people who are dedicated to their church. They show up, they serve on these committees, sometimes for decades. And I'm sitting there essentially being attacked. But the way I'm being attacked is by uh, the person who's attacking me is saying things and saying things that never happened as if they had happened. So <laughs> saying to me, you never responded to this email. What, but I had responded to an email 10 times saying to me, um, you signed a contract. And I said, but I didn't sign a contract. I wasn't given a physical contract. You can't agree to a contract unless you've written your name in a contract and throwing papers at me. And all the while, while this one individual was attacking me, this was a group of people that wanted me to be there, including this person who was attacking me. They wanted me to be there and to be their minister. Nobody else said anything. This, no one else in the group, uh, maybe one person said one thing one time, jumped in, no, he jumped in to defend me. Um, my, I, I went and had to go around the table and question everybody because I, I thought, what is up? What is down? What is actually happening? You know, they talk about this term gaslighting. I talked about it last week all the time, but this was a deeply gaslighting experience because what happens in gaslighting is that your reality becomes alien to you. Even though I knew I had documentation of emails I had sent that had received no response, I was being told I hadn't responded. And no one in that space was agreeing, despite the fact that they had all been recipients of those emails. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, aka The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our heart's desires and changes the world. Welcome everybody, I'm so happy that we're together and that you're listening and that you're a new listener, that you're an old listener, that you're a new um, follower. Is that what they call it on Spotify? I think I got a new follower last week. Well, thank you. That makes me happy. Continue to share The Fertile Feminist. It feels like deeply hard work to me to be sharing my experiences, my stories, my thoughts, ideas, occasionally revelation. <laughs> but probably not always. And to be in conversation about what we need to do so that we can be alive in an alive world. We cannot just be lighting this world on fire the way that we're doing it as distraction. We have to be lighting it on fire for life. You know, that's a different kind of lighting on fire. Somebody can light you on fire to kill you, and somebody can light you on fire to bring you into your fullest expression. And that's the fertile feminist is that, is that other kind of lighting, right? We're all coming into that fullest expression. And today on the podcast, <laughs> rotten people, gas lighters, and others, you know, you may have uh, thought about 
this metaphor before, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're walking across a sidewalk, this was research that I read at least 20 years ago. So it's maybe it's outdated, but I doubt it. If you are a woman and you're walking on a sidewalk and a man is coming towards you who is walking on that same sidewalk, a woman will statistically move out of the way to give him more room to walk down the sidewalk. And this research was connected to the actual fact that men are allowed to take up more physical space in uh, spaces, in public spaces, than women. Now, I have thought about that for as long as I've known that. Maybe this is actually a 30-year-old thing, because I, I feel like this is something I knew of when I was you know, really quite young. And I think about it every time I'm walking on a sidewalk. I'm thinking, you know, who's going to get out of the way here? Who's going to make space? What does it mean to take up space? What does it mean to take up space in your own life? And if you head on back through the podcast to my conversation with Amanda Mittman, which is about bodies and weight and diets and body positivity and body images, it's a juicy, juicy conversation with her. You got to go back on seven, eight episodes or something like that. Find that episode because it really is about on the metaphoric, symbolic plane, how women are occupying their own bodies. And of course, the size of the body is a deeply feminist issue, but we don't just take up space with our physical body. We take up space with our energetic body. How do we know this? Well, of course, we know from the research about women who take self-defense, that self-defense classes help women because they change how a woman walks. They change how she is in her body. So she's not running around screaming, throwing knives at the people who are walking near her on a city street. She's carrying herself in a different way. And that carrying of ourselves in a different way is protective. That's, that's kind of incredible, isn't it? So I open with this story, which is a more recent story in my life, about um, being attacked in this church. Uh, was attacked by one person, just to be really clear, was not like a lot of people. But while this was happening, what I would call gaslighting was happening, nobody said anything. Now, I have a lot of experience in gaslighting. Go back to last week's episode to hear about my marriage. <laughs> And you can get a good window into it. That was a very confessional podcast. Hope you, um, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but I hope you really got something out of it because it's so, so, so important how we think about our partnerships as women. But anyway, because I had become an expert, let's say, in hanging around with, with people who gaslight, who lie, um, who switch the truth, I was instantly, as soon as this attack began, uh, I had papers thrown at me. Uh, words were spoken. Instantly, I was done. And uh, it was like a light switch going on, uh, uh, in turning off, I should say, inside of me. Absolute clarity, uh, like a knife, which is the kind of clarity that I love about Janet Connor. If you go back four episodes to my conversation with her, she is someone I feel like who, who just cuts through it, you know. And that's what happened to me. It was uh, perfect clarity. I cannot, will not, I don't have time to hang out with gaslighters. It's just not what I'm going to do. And and so that was that for me in that meeting. You know, I was really uh, aware that there was a, ha a functionality issue inside of the system. And I wasn't going to be a part of that. This ability to understand what's happening to us takes a really long time to develop unless we have been encouraged from the time we're very young 
to have it. And that's because all around us, there are messages that begin to cloud our vision about uh, what we should do. Now, this way that little girls are raised to be people pleasers is a very effective tool to uh, be in the patriarchy. So if I were, and I have been, and I am a people pleaser, sitting in that meeting, right? I want to please this person who's attacking me. By the way, this person was a man. I want to um, make sure he likes me. I want to make sure I didn't do anything wrong, which in this case, I actually hadn't done anything wrong. And I went out of my way in that meeting to say, wait a second, I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything wrong. How, how did this misunderstanding happen? And in the process of doing that, because I was in a ministerial role, I had to go deep inside myself. I couldn't just have like a reaction. I couldn't just be angry and uh, shout and scream. Then the scriptures and the Christian scriptures is a line to speak the truth in love. And doesn't say you don't speak the truth, but you have to speak the truth in love. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, that, that's the job of the minister to really think about that, especially when you're coming up against lies or accusations that are wrong. How does one speak the truth in love? Well, the first thing we have to do is speak the truth. And a people pleaser, a little girl is raised to speak the love, speak the love, speak the love, be gentle and get out of the effing way on the sidewalk. Move yourself over to one side and let this person occupy more space. We have done that, my friends, in on the level of journalism, on the level of political action, on the level of writing, on the level of art, right? We have allowed that to happen where men occupy, and my, I don't just mean individual men, I mean the patriarchy, the system, occupies more space. And it's time to light our inner fire and get bigger. And now, idolatry. <laughs> because that's exactly what you thought was coming, right? And now, idolatry. Yes, one of my listeners sent me an article about how I think it's the Church of England is thinking about changing their language about God. Ooh, so progressive. <laughs> so, you know, maybe God isn't just a he. Maybe we should have something uh, more open-ended. And this is very upsetting to many people. This is not a new problem. The issue of the language in churches in the United States has been going on for decades and decades and decades. Now, I stand up there and have stood up there over the course since my ordination in all kinds of different churches and said, Our Father, who art in heaven, and pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And even in progressive churches, even in churches full of feminist people, if I have changed the language to have something different, not even something gendered, creator, sustainer, rather than Father and Son, for example, or any other variation, uh, God forbid, mother, daughter, you know what would happen? It's so challenging for people. We live in the rule of the father. That's what patriarchy means. You know that patri, patri comes from father. So the rule of the father, what's happening with this issue where they say, oh, let's try to change the language, which upsets all the bishops who say, no, we cannot do it because the father is the truth. What happens is 
idolatry. What do you love more, God or the Father? Well, <laughs> they love the language more. They love uh, Father more. You know, in uh, the Jewish and Muslim and Christian tradition, they all share the uh, what we what I would call the Christian tradition, of the Old and the New Testament. Uh, these are shared, and in the book of Genesis, um, we start out with the creation of people, and then on it goes, and you get to the Ten Commandments, which probably you, you, you may have heard of at this point in your life, and one of those commandments is, you shall have no other gods beside me. What the patriarchy is, is it makes the father and the rule of a father into God. And rather than looking at God, the universe, all that is, that infinite mystery, which we cannot describe, we look at the Father. And that's language. You know, my daughter, who's eight, said to me the other day, Mom, why does everybody think God is a woman when we know God is not a woman or a man? <laughs> that was hilarious. That's because I had a book out that I was reading that I think the title of the book had something like God is woman on it. And it, but it also made me laugh because nobody thinks God is a woman except me and you and the other 10% of the geniuses who are out there. I shouldn't say nobody. Probably many more people understand this. But what we understand is what this eight-year-old understands, which is that God is not a woman. God does not have, if, if a woman is defined by having a uterus and ovaries and a vagina and breasts and an XX chromosome, God is not a woman because God is not a human material being, nor is God a man, right? And everything that we do with language is just an attempt to describe the indescribable. Language for things that are beyond language is perfectly incomplete. But the connection here between these two points about the rule of a father and people taking up space is that the wrong thing fire has been lit and the fire that's been lit is the destructive fire burning everything the trickle down from the rule of the father that continues to be um worshipped they're not worshiping god what they're worshiping it's idolatry plain and simple what they're worshiping is the father they're worshiping that language. They're worshiping an identity. They're not worshiping the massive uh, creation of the universe beyond our understanding. And that fire is a fire of destruction because, get ready, boo, 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 boo. it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's gaslighting. Ooh, it's gaslighting on the epic plane and it's in every one of the abrahamic traditions and it's in all the other religions too and why does this matter because you are not religious let's say you're spiritual you're evolved you're new age because it's what you're eating and drinking it's in the water just like all everybody's birth control pills that they flush down the toilet are in the water it doesn't matter if you don't go to a church it doesn't matter that you went to a church when you're five and you don't anymore because you're healing from it these thoughts are still in our collective consciousness. And the fire is, that fire, that gaslighting fire is what's destroying the planet. It is what's burning us up. We need to light a different fire. And the first fire that has to be lit, my friends, is the fire inside of yourself to be yourself and to occupy your space. Now, this is a teaching 
excuse me, that I'm sure you've heard so many times. And I love Oscar Wilde deeply. And he's the one who said, uh, be yourself. You might as well be yourself because everybody else is already taken. <laughs> I love that. But you might as well be yourself because we need you to be yourself. We do not need you to be a people-pleasing little girl. We, we cannot use that. We need you to be have that, that inner fire just glowing and roaring because that's your power and that's going to save all of us. Not you as one individual with that fire, but all of us having that fire. The cost of being yourself in the patriarchy is to occupy the space physically and metaphorically and symbolically of yourself. We remove ourselves then, naturally, much more easily, much more efficiently from the situations where we do see the lies, the idolatry, the worship of the Father. Out we go. We don't even need to uh, process it. We don't even need to give it another thought. We're moving more clearly and coherently in the direction of what is true. You know, my last experiences over the past couple of years in churches has led me to the point of creating the sacred order of the Great Mother because people in uh, denominational Christian churches have really appreciated the messages and been very loving and encouraging and found, you know, wisdom and truth in what I was able to articulate, hopefully, just as a channel for what is true. But every time I'm in those settings, it feels like I'm being uh, crushed by the weight of the language and its inability to uh, be honest. I shared a story with the Sacred Order of the Great Mother about a parishioner at one of these congregations who said to me, how come you pray our mother, father, God? Now, she asked so lovingly and so gently, it wasn't accusatory. And I simply explained to her, well, God cannot simply be a father. We know from Genesis that God created man and woman in God's image. Uh, there are all kinds of references to God as all kinds of things. God is spirit. So how could God possibly be, you know, father, even father, mother is insufficient. But I said, you know, we know God isn't just a father. And so mother, father is a little, you know, a tiny little fractional step closer, perhaps, to a, a bigger, broader understanding. And we do know, of course, God has motherly qualities as well. And that was that. And, and she said to me, I never thought of that. She never thought of that. But that was a person who'd lived through incredible sexism and the effects of it, including abuse, sexual abuse, dis personal destruction and incredible pain. But she had never thought of that. We are lighting women on fire. We're gaslighting them. We're lighting them on fire with lies. And I can't tell you the absolute truth for you. I mean, it's all just dawning realizations for me as it is for everybody else. And we want to continue to have them. But to get closer and closer to that version of ourselves that is not the people pleasing, that is occupying the space, that is alive inside, 
It could mean so many different things and look so many different ways. I had this conversation with Tommy the other night because I'm somebody from the time I was a little girl who wanted to have a lot of babies, loved wearing dresses and skirts, loved pretty things. You know, what would be the sort of stereotypical feminine stuff? You say, oh, well, that's just a construct, whatever, whatever. I don't know what to say. It's still the way it is in my pink bedroom with my pink cover. And I love to be able to love what I love and to be drawn to the beauty and and for me to be a mother. I don't care if anybody else does it. It's not, that's not a capital T truth. But it's an inner truth. It's an inner truth for me. And my inner truth is to find out, oh, what, what do I love? You've only got to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves, said the wise, wise and beloved poet Mary Oliver. That's a process of a lifetime for some of us. Because what patriarchy does is it takes away that ability to understand we don't see space for us. We don't see a reflection for us. We don't see divinity for us. We don't see clarity for us. How do I know? How do I find my way to love what I love? Okay, so here's how we do it. What does give you that feeling of the inner light? And I mean that as the light of fire and the light of inspiration and the light of sight. So what are the activities, the things that you do where you feel that, you know, where you feel like you're not in a dark room, in a dark, isolated, terrible room, in a dark, isolating world. You feel that spark, you feel the heat, you feel the passion, you feel the energy. You know, it can be the arousal of anger, um, but it's the anger that comes out of a recognition of truth. It's not sort of bitter rage. It could be take on so many different forms. But that's what we're going to look for, my little fertile feminist. That's what you're looking for in your natural fertility. That fertility is that, whoo, the spark of life coming through us. And look, I don't, I don't mean to give you the impression that I walk around all day feeling like that <laughs> because a lot of things I do don't make me feel that way, like uh, doing the dishes. I like to clean my sink. I have a pretty sink now, so that gives me some pleasure. But anyway, you're not going to go every second of your day feeling that light. But you are going to have those moments, and each of those moments is a clue. Okay, this way, it's like a, it's like a tiny little arrow on a path in a deep, deep, tangled wood. And you have to pay attention. And when you feel that, it's that little arrow, and you go in that direction. And that direction could be so surprising. It could be so uh, unpredictable. I didn't have a premeditated years of uh, thinking about and preparing for the creation of the sacred order of the great mother. It landed inside of me like, wow, it just really, really happened. Now, it, I'm sure it happened as a result of the experiences that I'd been going through, but I wasn't creating it. It was just a series of little steps of turning and turning and turning in towards the direction of that light, that true light, not the fire that will consume us, but the light actually that guides, leads our way and gives us the heat and the power and the energy to do the things that we really love how to do. And that's the light also, just to circle back to my first story, that's the light that allows us to be very clear when something is the idolatry, the reign and the rule of the father. It is oppressive. It is a lie. 
it's that light that shines enough that we can say, oh, I didn't see that the other hundred times it happened to me when somebody talked to me that way or treated me that way, but I see it now. And bye-bye, off I go. Really powerful. So we're making the flames together. And I'm so glad that you're here with me. I know uh, that this really is a work of lots of people in lots of places. I and mean, they're maybe using different language to describe it than I am. But it is a movement afoot. And you're a part of it. That's all for now. And until next week when we're together again, have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. Thanks for listening in. This is me, Sam Wilde, a.k.a. The Fertile Feminist. And you've been listening to The Fertile Feminist Podcast. Find me on YouTube at The Samantha Wilde, a.k.a. The Fertile Feminist. And hit the website, thesamanthawilde.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram, at The Fertile Feminist. Until next week. May you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.